0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we bring you No Holds Barred and Paradise Alley. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office unspeakable things will be done to you thanks for calling
1: drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater That's why, to familiarize you with the movie Rating Symbols, which will be used by this theater, we
0: present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
1: They've canceled all the hockey games. Yeah. So then we're like, well, maybe we'll just hang out in Vegas for a week, and then we're, like, looking
2: at it, and, like, a bunch of the casinos are shutting down their buffets and stuff. Yep, no place to eat.
1: And it's like, yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, Okay, if they're shutting down their buffets now, how long is that until we're in Vegas and all we're allowed to do is sit alone in our hotel room?
3: Yeah, but I'll tell you what. In addition to all that, if there is a place on this earth that you're guaranteed to catch a disease,
1: it's Vegas. Yeah, but you wouldn't think it'd be this disease necessarily. Oh, any disease available. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways, spent all day today trying to get that shit canceled and trying to figure out something else to do because I'm not gonna sit at home and wallow in myself misery for a whole week. That would suck. So, yeah.
2: doesn't doesn't Canada have like a uh, Las Vegas type thing?
1: Uh, yeah, well, we have like Niagara Falls. It's probably the closest thing, mm. but it's like only
2: been lots, two Lots of since I've lots been of strip clubs and casinos.
1: Yep. I mean, it's like two casinos, but that's a lot by Canadian standards.
3: (laughs) Hookers hookers and legal weed.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's tons of legal weed places there now. (laughs) I can only imagine. Become a
2: den of debauchery.
3: There's a film festival going on in Peoria, Illinois.
2: (laughs) That's right.
1: If this had happened earlier, it might be something to do. I just don't think I can make it
2: fly into Chicago, drive down. Noah's only coming on Saturday, so.
1: Is there i I'm worried about the, the crowds surrounding your celebrity guests, so...
2: Pff, you mean our one celebrity guest that if I said it to most normal people, they'd be like, who?
1: Yeah, I still don't know who it is, so... <laughs> You've explained it to me in detail multiple times. Yeah. <laughs>
2: What? If you you frequent MTV, especially MTV, when Real World Paris was going on in the early 2000s, then you would be impressed.
3: I was going to (laughs) say, once again, we established last week, clearly it's MTV BJ, Jessica.
1: (laughs) (sighs) You keep saying that name like I'm supposed to know who it is and there's... There's No chance of ever. It's
3: this. it's a fucking stupid. I don't know if you remember the brief period of time in the fucking eighties and nineties where people gave a shit about these random VJs on fucking MTV. But Jesse Camp dressed like a uh, homeless pimp. Um, and did you not
2: dress? Like, just was homeless.
3: Yeah, and talked like a just a, a meth-addled. Uh, poet with an infinite Joe Bob Briggs-esque Knowledge base Only it was fucking music instead of Horror movies <laughs> The dude's like a meth head Encyclopedia And he's very entertaining But he's also real fucking weird And there's something clearly wrong with
2: him mm-hmm. They had one of those uh, Do you want to be a VJ contest Where you got to audition If you wanted to be a VJ and he ended up winning.
1: None of this interests me in any way.
2: And then, like, like maybe three years later, they're like, yeah, we're not going to have VJs anymore. All right. Fucking MTV. <laughs> but
1: anyway. You guys got all excited about that, and I'm like, don't care.
2: No, Hope you all come to the film festival to meet the guy from MTV. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I just hope one person shows up and they're all pissed off that it's not just a camp. <laughs> I I listened to 10 minutes of your podcasts. <laughs> that asshole kept saying <laughs> that MTCPJS camp was going to be there.
1: I just picture that in my mind because I, I think life should be more like a cartoon. Noah's walking in. The guys <laughs> yelling at Brian and he just conveniently turns. That asshole said and no homer simpsons it right back out
2: (laughs) more like grandpa simpson where he puts his hat on that hat rack and then like nope turns around and just grabs his hat and walks right back out
1: that is actually a better reference yeah i was referring to the bush thing but i'd probably just
3: point at some random uh lesbian with dark hair and be like oh look it's mtvbj kennedy and then just walk out
2: (laughs) (laughs) i wish kennedy was going to show up
3: she, she was like Janine Garoppolo, only not.
1: What is Kennedy up to? So this is where we're at? We're, we're Googling what Kennedy is up to?
2: Yeah, because I feel like she went on to do something somewhat legit, and I can't remember what it was.
3: I think she did. Uh, well, well Jesse like, yeah, <laughs> can just continue to do drugs and be <laughs> homeless.
1: Next week, I'm coming in with so many... Rick the temp stories and fucking Erica M stories do will blow your guys mind with our VJs
2: <laughs>
3: was there a Canadian music channel
2: yeah much That's music What uh, is that what Mike Myers started on with his Wayne character maybe he transported it over to Night live
3: <laughs> is it just yeah. is it just nothing but Nickelback and Celine Dion gotta
2: <laughs> have Levine
3: Ben Abra Levine. Oh, when, uh, I, when I
1: when I watched it, it was the eighties and nineties, so there was a lot of Brian Adams. Thanks very much. <laughs>
2: uh, oh, this is disappointing. Kennedy is a libertarian and a registered Republican.
0: What? Mm. She's a pink
2: pink re- Republican tattooed on her upper left thigh.
3: Mmm. I don't like her. No. <laughs> she is disinvited. <laughs> you are unwelcome. <laughs>
1: You don't have the authority to invite her to Brian's f- festival.
2: But then the next paragraph is so confusing. It says she is a supporter of same-sex marriage. Um, she also supports privatized social security. She opposes the war on drugs yeah. and bureaucratic Pri- regulation.
3: Privatized
1: yeah. social security bad. Yeah, that sounds like it's yeah. yeah. horrible. That's a really bad idea. Let's not so, put a profit motive in in calculating other people's pensions
3: so basically not only is she a republican she's one of those stupid fucking republicans that's a republican despite the fact that she knows that being a republican's bad
2: oh my god it gets worse no at mtv's 1993 rock and roll inaugural ball for bill clinton she chanted nixon now nixon now whenever the clintons went on stage Along with being a fan of Richard Nixon, she supported Dan Quayle and Bob Dole.
0: Oh
1: Jesus! Fuck. <laughs> Wait, but okay the the Richard Nixon one is the worst one of those, right?
2: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, anyone who says I'm a fan of Richard Nixon, that is not that is not a good sentence.
2: Uh, yes. she she later abandoned social conservative, saying social conservatism was really bringing me down and I realized as time went on that I wasn't a Bush conservative. I was really a libertarian. She was first introduced to libertarian when Kurt Loder uh, suggested she read Ann Rand's introduction to Objectivist uh, epistemology uh, no. <laughs> She actively supported Gary Johnson in both the 2012 and 2016 elections. Oh, God. Oh. Well, that's disappointing.
3: Yeah, there is nothing, nothing in this world that will make me instantly fucking dislike somebody more than if they try to get me to read a fucking Ayn Rand book.
2: (laughs) She also joined Fox Business Network. As a contributor in 2012.
1: Gross. It doesn't seem like being a BJ would qualify you to do that. Uh,
2: Yeah. So she became worse. That's, That's the answer to the question we were looking for.
1: The problem with people who get rich and famous when they're young is that libertarianism seems like a really good idea when you're rich and famous. And you're still just learning your way through the world. And it's like, oh, yeah, we should all just be allowed to do whatever we want. And we don't need to rely on anybody else for help. Now that I've made millions of dollars. Right, right. By doing things that were just fun to do the whole time, and, you know.
3: People being able to own the police sounds like a good idea, says the person with enough money to own the police. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, look, it's not Slater September anymore. We're not having that conversation again.
2: <laughs>
3: walk away. Let's talk about fucking Hulk Hogan and his weird man panties.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug uh, it's, proclaimed... It's much better. Doug proclaimed that Hulk Hogan was his hero When he was younger So why don't you tell us all about No Holds Hulk Barred
1: was, He was virtually everyone's hero Just so we're clear
2: Never my hero Oh god damn it I was super I happy when, when, I was <laughs> Super happy when Warrior beat him for the title At Wrestlemania 6
1: Anyways Let's not get uh, into that debate Okay, it was it Wrestlemania <laughs> 5 It, no, it was definitely it was, it was 6 Okay First WrestleMania held outside the United States at the uh, Sky in Toronto, Canada. And my yeah. dad wouldn't take me. Trust me, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> years told later, me we could...
2: <laughs> years later uh, Warrior said a bunch of uh, racist and homopho- homophobic things and then my heart got really sad.
1: Yeah. And, then, you know, it's and then a few funny. years after that, Hogan said, <laughs> Yeah,
3: I was right oh, he balanced it back out again. So... <laughs>
2: So then my love went to Bret Hart, and he hasn't said anything too offensive, but he just seems like he's he's really old and sad now. He is old and
1: sad now. Because he had a lot of wrestling left in him when yeah. WCW, somewhat intentionally, just I consider it intentional when you're negligent enough. And <laughs> WCW's policy of letting people who had no ability to wrestle in the ring with the best wrestlers in the world had a tendency to result in major injury. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I was I was gonna
3: say, and the fact that the wrestling industry as a whole has basically killed his entire extended family.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, there's that element. Wrestling's sad. It used to be so fun when I was a child I didn't ever bother to learn Any more about a thing than that Beautiful level of surface sheen That it had
1: yeah. It was just shiny fun television And there was a cartoon about it If you woke up earlier It was oh, it's a cartoon but,
2: but you know who's not sad Ripper. He's
1: sad at parts in the movie. It's just the <laughs> acting is questionable, so it's not always clear. Is, is that the emotion he was going for?
2: <laughs> I couldn't tell, because that, that acting was god-awful. All
1: Are right, you guys watch your mouths, okay? You're not about...
2: <laughs> he didn't say enough prayers and take enough vitamins, I think.
1: <laughs> Anyways, do you guys want a plot description yet, or no?
2: Yeah, go for it.
1: All right, so... Hulk Hogan plays Rip, who is uh, Hulk Hogan, but in blue tights, and he, uh, in, in what's, this movie has a lot of precursors to the real world stuff that went on, so, uh, it starts with like big TV execs trying to hire him away from the WWF, but naturally, naturally he won't go, because he's a man of his word, yeah. um, so those
3: Obviously TV execs... Fakes.
1: Yeah, very clearly. I, I think very
3: concerned a... with his charity work.
1: Yeah. But, I don't know. Obviously fake. <laughs> you guys done? <laughs> it's a movie. The whole thing's fake. You don't have to say it after every sentence.
2: Sure.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, so they... Uh, short form plot description is that the other TV company starts up a their own fighting club, and they have their own champion named Zeus. He's a giant monster of a human being. And then uh, they want Hogan to come fight him, but he won't do it. So they beat up his little brother, so he says he will do it. So they try to rape his girlfriend so that he'll intentionally lose. But his brother's friend, who's just been hanging around the whole movie and seemed unimportant right up until this moment, (laughs) saves the girl (laughs) so that Hogan can hulk up, make a comeback, and uh, take out Zeus and then go kill the evil TV promoter.
2: Yeah, and we get
1: kill, a few H- random scenes of vigilantism in the middle where Hogan just takes out bad guys that happen to be around
2: yeah and kill is the correct word I was, this is the first time watch for me oh, and really? I was shocked no not really <laughs> oh, but, but I, 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 I just feel it, I, just, I was just like I'm pretty sure Hogan just killed two people in like a, a small arena full of people that obviously saw him do it nobody seems to care
1: well first of all there's two there's two things first of all it was the 80s where if you were the good guy it was okay to kill people I'll point to commando the most 80s thing of all time
2: yeah
1: in which Arnold Schwarzenegger's character has just blown up an entire island literally demolishing every building on the island and killed every person living on the island the authorities show up Don't mention any of that as if it's a negative. They just say, would you like to rejoin the army? And he says, no, I'm going to get back in this stolen plane and
2: fly away. And everybody was cool with that. Well, technically, isn't this island like in another country?
1: He still stole the plane in the U.S. You'd think authorities would have a question or two about that. He's still an escaped convict who got out by having somebody fire a rocket launcher in the middle of the street. (laughs) (laughs) So Semantics. In the 80s, rules were a little different as long as you had big enough muscles, is my point. And so therefore, when Hogan kills those two people, since they both deserved it, then it's just okay. My second point, which is a little bit more controversial, is that uh, in the opening match of the Battle of the Tough Guys, it's made very clear the the only rules are last man standing wins, just don't kill nobody. Mm -hmm. Which means technically... Zeus wins that final match by dying because it means Hogan will be disqualified. He broke one of the only two rules. So that's where I think the problem is. Why are they declaring Hogan the victor if technically he should have lost?
3: I'm confused. You guys are talking like things happened in this movie and all I recall is uh, Hulk Hogan making a crazy face and going,
0: "Gee, <laughs> <laughs> that
3: was a
1: very, very important scene.
0: Oh, that was a,
1: that
3: was the I will, scene. I will tell you this, Brian. This was your first time watch. Yeah, yeah, okay." 30 years from now when you're an old doddering man, somebody will say something about this movie and you will think back and you will remember nothing about this movie except for Hulk Hogan saying Dookie and you'll go oh yeah, I think it was alright we should watch
1: that Let's see Can we discuss that whole scene though? Because I understand the Dookie line is the one that's going to get the most attention Mm -hmm. but so Hogan goes in for the big meeting where they're going to convince him to to switch networks, which doesn't even really make sense because you, you would be switching to a network that didn't have a wrestling program, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, he refuses to. So he gets back in the limo to leave and they immediately like flip a switch in the limo that blocks in all the windows and shit and have a whole crew of guys waiting for it to attack him when the limo drives into like some secluded parking lot. Like They had all that set up. They had like this pre-programmed limo that we, they could use for kidnapping if necessary. And they had just a, a team of goons just waiting in case he refused to sign a contract. That was their go-to move.
2: They have goons on a <laughs> team just in case. <laughs>
1: that's, that's amazing. I love the 80s. <laughs> what what are other...
3: I I was going to say, there's all sorts of things in this movie that are confusing. Like, why isn't his character just Hulk Hogan? Like, what purpose was there in changing him to another fake wrestler when every other person in the movie involved in the wrestling industry uses their normal names?
1: I feel like... um part of it was just so that if you were in a diner and it was getting robbed, you wouldn't expect Hulk Hogan to save you. And he could be like, no, no, that wasn't me, brother. That was my character in the movie that did that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. And the fact that so his arsenal of moves is all identical, except for instead of his finishing move being the guillotine leg drop, it's like just this random running double axe handle. (laughs)
2: Well, yeah, fun fact, that was actually his finishing move in AWA before he went to
1: the WWF. Yeah. And he is that right? In, See, I did yeah. not know that one. I think he still would have been using it when he wrestled in Japan at this time, too.
2: Oh, mm. like, well, yeah. Japan. Outside,
1: outside of the WWF. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, yeah. No, he didn't learn a new move for this. do <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, the funny thing I read is, so him and Vince McMahon kind of wanted to make this movie. The hired writers and stuff and, you know, whatever. They turned the script in and they absolutely hated it. So apparently Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon stayed up in a hotel room for 72 hours straight and completely rewrote the movie. Nice.
1: That seems about right. Do
2: you know how much cocaine was going on in that room when that was
0: happening?
3: (laughs) All you imagine is that they read it and they were like... If this is worse. Just do the first one.
1: The thing about it is it explains why there's so much randomness in this movie, right?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And like and like so many like really stereotypical jokes, because that'd be a Vince McMahon thing to do, right? Just put in the very like like the one I texted you guys about while I was watching the movie is like, We've got your new manager, Sam, and he turns around and it's a woman and he's like, Sam she's like, it's short for Samantha. And you're like, whoa, they really burned him. They really tricked him. <laughs> like, that's a Vince McMahon joke. I almost guarantee it. And it's followed up very quickly by the scene where, like, the uh, they're in a restaurant. And the waiter is, like, bad and Rip because he's, like, assuming Rip won't know how to order real food. But then all of a sudden it's revealed that Rip can speak French. And then the scene just ends. <laughs> and that's all. It's like, okay, that's just a joke that some guy came up with in a hotel room at 2 a.m., and it seemed like a good idea at the time, and he's the boss, so nobody questioned it. I, th-
3: I think we also failed to mention that uh, the bad guy in this movie is, uh, God damn it, Kurt Fuller. That's his name, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Tiny I'm right. Lister.
1: Yeah, No, Kurt Fuller is the TV oh, Kurt, Yeah, Tiny Lister is Zeus. Zeus. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, so Kurt Fuller, who is is an actual actor— right mm-hmm. it and it. while his performance is ridiculous and over the top and the script is bad, he outshines <laughs> the main characters so fucking bad, it completely like disbalances this movie in a weird way, where you're kind of like, "I kind of want the annoying bad guy to
2: win. <laughs> you're not wrong, <laughs>
3: you chuck ass. <laughs>
2: I mean, this basically was just rehearsal for his uh, network toady in uh, world. but yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. It's the same kind of character. And you can really see that he is intentionally being cheesy and campy, whereas Mm. the other characters are maybe just coming across that way regardless. (laughs) It's weird how you can tell the difference between intentional camp and unintentional camp when it's side by side like Uh,
2: that. I don't know. how do do you feel about (laughs) when Hulk Hogan put a sheet up so that Sam could have some privacy in their shared (laughs) hotel room
1: in their shared hotel room because of the booking problems, which was apparently all Kurt Fuller's plan to have her seduce him so that he would eventually sign with the network. Did you guys pick up on those subtleties?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when they fall outside it later,
1: but, uh, yeah, I, uh, (laughs) Instead of going to
2: bed, he starts doing push-ups for some reason. (laughs) But, well but it sounds it, like he's jerking off, so
1: Right, like they work
3: in that weird <coughs> masturbation joke, and of course it's supposed to be, you know, she looks around and aha ah, ha, it's something harmless and you thought he was jerking off. But instead it's Hulk Hogan doing inverted push ups in the teeniest, tiniest little man panties that have ever been fucking made. And you're like, That's worse. It would have been better if he
1: had been jacking off.
2: They so did focus on those on those shorts for some reason an awful lot. Yeah,
1: it was it was a problem. But even, like, when he... Because they end up getting into an argument after he, he comically breaks the bed and she falls onto his side mm-hmm. and all that. When he leaves the room, he puts on a pair of shorts. And I'm like, those shorts are still too small. Don't go out in public <laughs> in those. Because both of them are going to bed in clothing that you just shouldn't... Nobody would ever right? be wearing.
2: What the fuck was she wearing?
1: She's... I don't know what that Like, she was wearing, like, a mini version of the big, like... I don't know what even I don't know what women's clothing is called, but like when women have those big dresses that puff out around their legs and then they take them off and they have something underneath to cause it to be puffy. <laughs> she was wearing a mini skirt version of that for some reason and a bra. That's what she was planning to sleep in when she thought she had her own room. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't they didn't have a T-shirt or something she could put on at the same time.
2: Well, she, she was, was very much wearing stuff that you only wear if you're going to fuck that night. So that's her fault.
1: But again, she was planning on having her own room she was not in on the scheme to be tricking you know, right. being in the same room as her so i don't know who she was planning to fuck apparently that's why she was so frustrated she was going down to the lobby bar after hogan went to bed she was looking to pick up i think that's my a detailed analysis of that character <laughs> what did you guys think of the, the scene where she's up uh Given her speech and when she when that character's first introduced and we're like shocked to find out it's a woman and then she's given that speech and Hogan's just checking her out the whole time in his cartoonish over-the-top manner that everybody in the room would clearly notice. Is that problematic yeah. for you guys at all or?
2: <laughs> well, not for the 80s. I think that was no. just par for the course. That's just, that's just how you looked at a woman in the 80s.
1: <laughs> it was, that scene was bad too because like She's, like, going through all these different, like, things on how to how to improve his promotion. And he's, like, gets... He's, like, well, what about, like, my charity work? And he's, like, maybe we can talk about all this at another time. And it's, like, no, you're in a meeting specifically to talk about this <laughs> right now. Don't act like you're caught off guard by the fact that they want you to do promotional appearances. <sighs> Jesus. We're bouncing all around, though. We're not... We're going through a... <laughs> This, this, point this point 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 movie point is impossible too. to talk about. What? It's uh, <laughs> Impossible to talk about it. Let's talk uh, about the bar scene where the, the first time uh, that Kurt Fuller and his cronies go into the bar to, and discover the uh, the fighting going on. Do you guys want to have a ten minute conversation about how disgusting that bar was?
3: Somebody, uh, somebody, help me out with this fucking guy's name. Who's the the tobacco chawing Redneck guy, because he's a wrestler from the 80s, and I cannot fucking remember what the fuck his name is.
2: Oh, uh, I didn't recognize him.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of guys to where I'm like, I think I know that face, but I haven't seen it since
3: the 80s. Man, I want to say he was an AWA
2: wrestler. It's possible I was not familiar with AWA wrestling. Let's see if I can find it real fast. Hey, 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 hey.
3: Stan Hansen.
2: Oh yeah, I guess that was Stan Hansen. I didn't recognize him. Yeah,
3: yeah. He's okay. the best he's one of the best parts of the whole fucking movie. He should have been the bad guy, goddammit.
1: Is he the one that spits the stuff on the guy's shoe?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the, the one he... and he's the one that goes, What do we got here? A couple little teeny weenies
1: <laughs> 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 Just... <laughs> All right, so uh, I do have Je- some. Commentary Jeep Swenson
2: was in this. I didn't realize Jeep Swenson. Played oh, Bane. A, played Bane in the Batman and Robin movie.
3: I, I was going to say, there's a shit ton of little low-level wrestler guys that make cameos in this movie.
1: So do you guys think that, um, <laughs> that the, the, the guy loses his man card and he can stop playing like he's the tough guy and they're a bunch of wimps when he spends that much time staring at their penises? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, occurred to me. I'm like, you can't, you can't be the tough, manly guy who calls everybody else wimps and stare at other guys' penises for that long, because you're contradicting your own behavior here.
3: This I don't know. Weird. I think if I think if you're Stan Hansen, you get away with it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think those two guys were going to do anything about it. Right, right, right. What are they going to do about it? They're on a boat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I think most importantly, we've glossed over the very beginning of this movie. When she we is. get to hear commentary from Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah. oh yeah. While Ripper has a match.
1: Rip has the very stereotypical Hulk Hogan match. And we get the commentary. <laughs> that brought me back to the 80s, man. But
3: man I, I, you, go ahead. I was going to say, I forget sometimes how awesome fucking Mean Gene was because like you hear me uh, I, I have a tendency of thinking whatever people are like I like the old commentators and I'm like yeah I like Gorilla Monsoon and, and uh, JR and you know all those those people from the the Attitude Era Bobby the Brain but then you're like man no Mean Gene was the fucking shit the <laughs>
1: love Mean Gene you don't hear a lot of the the phrase Mean Gene was the fucking shit you don't hear that a lot <laughs>
2: Did you know Mean Gene had a burger franchise?
1: Yeah, that's awesome, though.
2: Uh, right across the street from my college, it was attached to a gas station, and it was called. It was called, uh, funnily enough, Mean Jeans. His face is up on the uh, you know the little billboard, and you go in, and everybody's wearing shirts that says "Have a mean day."
1: That's awesome. <laughs> It I'd have gone last. there every day It didn't last too long It would have lasted longer if I was in that town
2: <laughs> I'm gonna eat all three meals from here every day
1: I'm sure they had a breakfast sandwich of some sort
2: <laughs> I don't know, anybody else any favorite part?
1: I don't
3: know 90% of this movie is bad And then every once in a while something just fucking lands And it's really funny <laughs> or, or doesn't land But it doesn't land in a way that's really funny like Shuki. <laughs> that's a bad. That is a bad movie moment. But goddamn it, that'll stick with you forever, and you'll snicker about it. But especially the guys... face he's making. He's like having a facial seizure.
1: It's it's problematic. What did you guys think of the scene where he decides to stop a robbery in a small diner for some reason by throwing about eighty pies at guys? Uh,
3: and then destroying the diner to the point that oh, yeah. if, if he had let them rob it, it would have cost less.
1: <laughs> yeah, they would, they would have saved money. Yeah. I just liked the move of just, like, running along the counter and grabbing the pies. He had that amazing aim from across the restaurant. <laughs> just kept throwing pies at that guy.
2: I like that the guy is, like, completely caught off guard. But... You know, I'm still gonna th- continue to throw pies at him when I could just run across the room and clothesline him.
1: Oh he, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been a lot easier for him to stop those guys by just punching them. He was like a superhero when he punched people. He was so strong. So that was probably the second best vigilante moment because the other one was when he when he finds people trying to rape Sam because it's the 80s and they would just have those scenes in movies where guys yeah. just try to girls for no reason. Um, and, it, and
2: it really wasn't like a big deal. It's just sort of like. Well, I mean, they're probably going to rape her, so I should probably stop that before it happens. But, I mean, if I get there too late,
1: eh, we'll just keep yeah, going. It's problematic. But he just he just rides up to her and he just goes, you all right? She's like, yeah. And he's like, back in a minute. And then he <laughs> picks the guy up on his motorcycle and throws him at a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But the, the highlight of that is the scene ends with him driving back over Picking her up and making it all about him. He's like, "Oh, I hate to see you hurt." And it's like, "Oh, is this is this hard for you, Rip?" <laughs> and she's just, she's just not. She just lost her job because she stood up for you and, and refused to do mean things to you, and now she's getting raped over it. <laughs> oh, and you're gonna make it about you and say it's hard on you to do these things.
2: <laughs> so <sighs> What you was don't up want with, the, uh, with the with uh, the I mean, Octagon Ring?
1: Yes, I don't know, but seems to me like that ended up getting uh, picked up and used by another wrestling organization not too long after this started, the movie came out. So you have the obvious WCW references, which I'm not sure if those were intentional or not, based on the timing. You have the octagonal ring before TNA was ever a thing. You have uh, guys who win matches holding beers up over their head and drinking them out long before it was happening in, in professional wrestling. TV execs raping women to try to get the shows that they want on the air that's obviously a reference to real hollywood right
2: this thing predicted everything
1: it really did so, i i find it
3: weird that this are that sounds an awful lot like an argument that no holds barred issued or ushered in the attitude era of wrestling and i would like to say that's, that's not true said, but yeah. now that i think about it i'm like i don't know it kind of did
1: didn't it it's it's got the monday night war it's got the it's even honestly even that whole thing in the diner with the pies that that would have happened in the attitude era if somebody had just decided to set a match in a diner
2: (laughs) so recently they took a place they took place in a bar yeah apa would just beat the shit out of people
1: yeah but the rock would definitely have hit mcfoley with all those pies (laughs) And uh, we had a good
2: another like seven years before the Attitude Era hit.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, not enough people saw this movie, is what you're saying.
2: Uh, probably the appropriate enough. amount of people saw this movie. Because honestly, this was kind of terrible.
1: <clears throat> it's terrible about it. I don't understand. We just had that conversation. <laughs> uh, I don't understand how you're seeing any of that as a negative.
2: <laughs> um, I do find it interesting that they were still playing everything straight whereas I feel like like later we would get ready to rumble yeah and that was at least a little bit more open with like yeah it's fake but these guys started hitting this guy for real and that's when shit shit turned sour I don't know this seemed like a much more fun movie
1: this, this movie definitely does the weird k kayfabe thing where it's like Wrestling, not the wrestling and all the fighting is real, but actually, all these people are those characters outside the ring, too. Like, that's how yeah. ridiculous it gets. In yeah,
2: Hogan movie. wearing his weird spandex suits everywhere. That even, I, I yeah.
3: think, I think the next movie is even weirder with that. Yeah, we're gonna get
1: to the next movie.
3: Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I will say this out of all of the delightful movies that Hulk Hogan has made, <laughs> uh, this one's no suburban commando. I don't even know what that means.
2: Oh, come on, Christopher Lloyd? Hulk Hogan?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I actually, I know people think that Suburban Commando is a fucking terrible movie, and it is. But, I fucking love Suburban Commando.
1: Well, we're going to have to go ahead and get that put onto uh, another uh, another list somewhere down the line, because I have to see it properly in order to discuss it.
2: Hulk Hogan is a soldier from outer space,
1: Doug. I know that.
2: And he lands at Christopher Lloyd's house like Alf.
1: Sold. Yeah, oh it,
0: right.
3: also, it also features the Undertaker and... Ah, fuck, who, who is the other bounty hunter? God damn it. I don't remember. It's one of the other big ones. I want to say Kevin Nash. I could be wrong.
2: could be it seems Kevin Nash outside of, outside of wrestling. He just was in, like, fucking everything around that time. Uh, let's see. Suburban Commando. Stars. Oh, I forgot Shelly Duvall was the wife. Right. Um, I don't know. Nobody's jumping out at me in this cast list. And there's Mark Calloway, who is the undertaker for you normies that don't know what his real name is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't recognize anybody else.
1: These are off on a tangent. You're forgetting to talk about how good No Holds Bird is.
2: Uh, it's not good.
1: You guys remember? You guys remember that time
3: that Hogan knocks uh, Debo into the the ring, and he goes through the ring, and for some reason, it's a perfect circle, nowhere near <laughs> where his body hits. It
1: is. I did notice that it's it's early technology and having the ring collapse in on itself it and quite perfected it yet
2: see what it was is that he fell from that uh, such a great height because they were on top of that stage and the whole section of the ring just collapsed it just so happened that section of the ring was the same the same shape as the actual ring
1: oh okay that's how they build octagonal rings. It's like yeah. one big octa- octagon yeah. on the outside, and then just smaller ones as they go in. Yep. <laughs> all right, makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I,
2: how would you make an octagonal ring? Come on.
1: I would not. I would outsource it. Oh, um, yeah. This movie's awesome. These were all the parts. They were all awesome. I don't know how you guys can be criticizing this,
3: Dookie.
1: <laughs> I feel the problem is you guys are seeing this as adults, and you really need to see this as a 10-year-old boy who watches <laughs> wrestling every week.
3: Oh, I saw it as a 10-year-old boy. Like I said, all you remember in the future is Dookie. That's it.
1: Because I remember like having discussions with my friends about this movie when it came out. And being like, well, was that the rules of the match? That it was just a fight to the death at the end with Zeus? And we're like, yeah, I guess it was. It was, was. They said fight to the end. So I guess that's what they meant. Like, that's the rules. <laughs> like, like, in our heads, it was rational that there would be a televised wrestling match that was a fight to the death. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? So when, you're, when your brain is still at that level of cognitive uh, abilities, this movie's fantastic. And it's just continues to be if you watch it in the future so
3: watch No Holds Barred if you're a big 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 Hulk Hogan fan
1: or if you were in the 80s and haven't watched anything since
3: yes and then just uh, don't blame us for any of the rest of the movie happening
1: Well, there's not a lot of movie that doesn't have Hulk Hogan in it
3: right don't look don't look directly into Hulk Hogan's man panties Be careful <laughs> burn your retinas
1: oh you know what scene we forgot to talk about is the scene where after his brother gets beat up Rip goes to Zeus's gym he's like looking to fight him but for some reason they set up like a hologram of Zeus for Hogan to try to fight mm-hmm. Jesus,
2: they're watching on a camera and like laughing at him the whole time, the
1: least sense of any scene in the whole thing. And then he's trashing the place, but they must have been low on budget or something, because most of him trashing the gym is just knocking stuff over. He's not actually breaking anything. He just that could just easily be cleaned up. (laughs) Made me laugh.
2: So in other words, this is Doug's favorite movie
1: pretty
2: good are pretty mad on it
1: it's hard to find that's the only problem i have with this movie that's my big criticism of it it's not easily available
2: it's on amazon prime right now you can watch it it's not
1: on amazon prime in canada
2: well, it's because you guys got the coronavirus up there
1: no
3: that's actually that's not it's, that's it. not real amazon prime uh so does that mean we should move on can we talk about the fact that i don't think that sylvester stallone knows that wrestling's not real <laughs>
2: Uh, well, why don't you tell us about Paradise Alley and we'll we'll talk about it.
3: Uh, so so Paradise Alley is about a, uh, a mentally handicapped uh, guy who's who's very strong and very sweet. And he has two brothers that are both fucking garbage human beings uh, who like to be at odds with a weird metal-toothed gangster and his lackeys. Uh, Through various manipulations, the brothers get their uh, poor, mentally handicapped brother to become a wrestler, in which, once again, wrestling's real? Is it, (laughs) though? (laughs) Is it? Like, I don't... It's not clear. It's very jarring that It seems like the inference of this movie is that the wrestling's real, but they're doing, like, actual professional—and by professional, I mean fake—wrestling moves a lot of the time. Yes. So that's—it's jarring. Uh, So we can completely ignore all the main actors of this movie because none of them fucking matter. Uh, And talk about the fact that Tom Waits plays the piano man, which is fucking cool and uh that the lackey's main henchman frank the thumper is terry funk who terry funk's fucking awesome i didn't recognize him at first i'm so used to seeing skinny old man terry funk
2: yeah i didn't i didn't recognize him until the last match no to be fair yeah until
3: until he started talking in the ring
2: yeah, yeah to be fair i was watching on my phone at work so i mean like the the picture size was pretty small but, uh, yeah, when he starts talking, I'm like, oh, holy shit, that's Terry Funk. Like, I didn't recognize him without all of his facial hair that he usually has.
1: Well, yeah, and he was huge in the 70s, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, he was not by the time I knew who he was in wrestling.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's – it, I don't – everything about this movie is fucking weird. First of all, the the – The main, quote fingers, the main character, Sylvester Stallone's character of Cosmo, is one of the most unrelatable, unlikable fucking characters that's ever been put on film.
1: Why? Just because he puts his handicapped brother into a wrestling match for $100 and seems shocked when the brother wants to keep his share of the money? Well, and his acting's bad.
3: Like, Sylvester Stallone's not, like, an amazing actor, but he's typically not a bad actor, and this is bad.
1: So, fun fact, he didn't want to act in this movie, but he couldn't get it financed unless he did. The yeah. original the original concept of the movie was actually supposed to be, like, African-Americans or something, and they had to right. make them into Italians so that Sylvester Stallone could be the main character so that he could get the financing to make the movie.
2: And it was also the first time he directed a movie and starred in a movie? Well, directed, yeah. period, and then directed and starred in, so I'm sure his skill right. level was not at the top yeah. for either one
3: and it there sounds are- like it sounds like he made a lot of classic director mistakes too like his original cut of the movie was way too fucking long
1: yeah. yeah and if you read the Wikipedia trivia and believe it to be true there were times where he would forget to yell action so everybody would be standing there waiting to go and nobody would understand why they weren't starting yet <laughs> <laughs> because he would just forget that it was his job to make them start
3: uh, I do like to pretend, just to make this movie more interesting, that this is some kind of uh, a weird alternate universe prequel to Judge Trent.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, a dream that Rocky had the night after he was in the hospital after fighting uh, Apollo Creed. <laughs> yeah, brain
3: damaged, it's <laughs> brain damaged. Rocky dreaming about be, uh, forcing his brother to become a wrestler. Yeah, yeah like I said, it's, it's weird. So, so Amanda Amand brother character, at least, like he's a relatable character in the way that you like get get what's going on. He goes from this unconfident, uh, kind of washed up guy to his brother starts making money, and all of a sudden he's kind of, well, not kind of, he's definitely taking advantage of his brother and being like this is my money now I'm I'm the one who's making this money Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I I feel like they should have concentrated on that storyline more if they wanted this to be a dramatic film Um, because it kind of just happens in the background and you're like well wait a second that's that's the interesting brother here is like the brothers sort of switch roles where Cosmo was the becomes the one that's concerned for his brother's safety and the Armando asante character is not and i'm like yeah that's that's the movie that's the interesting story that you could be telling right now and that's not what you're concentrating on
3: right there's just all sorts of weird stuff the, the like the end of the movie has some kind like the message doesn't fucking work because in the end it's like okay and they all get away with it yay their brother's Horribly injured and probably permanently scarred from all these <laughs> matches. But they won the money, so so all three of them get to have money now. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is a weird thing where it's like he's doing – he's literally the guy who has the least cognitive ability is the one that is doing all of the work. <laughs> and just – the rest of them are just benefiting from it for really no reason.
3: And then the uh, – probably the most interesting story arc is – almost washed over and that's old glory the the black wrestler who they kind of meet initially and then there's you kind of learn about him a little bit as the film goes on and then of course there's his w- really awkward suicide halfway mm-hmm. through the movie
1: yeah that part was a little depressing See,
3: I, and See, I think you but I feel like they're they actually tapped into what wrestling's actually like. It's just a bunch of old broken guys committing suicide.
1: No, they do, and they they do. They they show him living like in poverty and stuff, even though he's was the champion for however long. Right, right. And he's talking about how like oh, I'm old, but I can still get back into it one day. And it's like, no, I don't think you can anymore, buddy. Like it's kind of one of the, it's one of those moments where you're just like it's just a sad washed up old man who has nothing to show for his career. That's like that's Sounds again familiar. that's an interesting that's an interesting like discussion to have. I just think this movie what it should have done honestly is leaned into the drama of things like that rather than getting back to the more action oriented stuff and the, I think some of the stuff was supposed to be funny. <laughs> But if they played it more like a drama, more like Rocky, quite frankly, I think it would be would have played out better. Yeah, something like that. And like you said, it's got
3: there's a lot of weird tonal. There's tonal problems with this movie. Like I said, a character committing awkward, semi funny suicide doesn't that does not land right. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird.
1: Well, The thing is you can have a comedy movie where a character commits suicide in a funny way And you can have a dramatic film where a character commits suicide in a serious way You can't walk somewhere in between those two Like That doesn't work, right? Did
2: right. I miss, were they playing like Yakety Sacks or something during the suicide? Did I miss that?
1: He jumps off
3: the thing and he lands in the trash pile And he has to get up and do it again
2: I mean, yeah you
3: know, you know, find that awkward I most mean, of the you Sylvester Stallone's character even starts laughing he's like oh what are you doing and you think okay he's not going to commit suicide and then he's like no fuck, fuck this and then he jumps into the river again yeah there's yeah. that I mean there's the weird at the end of the movie where they rip off the gangster's pants on accident and of course he's wearing women's underwear yeah
1: <laughs>
3: that's weird it, yeah, and to- it, it just doesn't fit tonally with the – it's this is supposed to be like a a group of brothers who are hard on luck trying to make it in the, the city or whatever. And instead it's just two assholes and, and one nice dumb guy who's being taken advantage of uh, pissing all over the shoes of another guy who admittedly is an asshole but – I don't think he actually does anything too assholey through the whole movie. Not really. It's just the assumption that he's an asshole. I mean, there's also the subplot of uh, Sylvester Stallone's character kind of has a girlfriend, but she's a prostitute, so he doesn't take that relationship seriously. And so instead, he's trying to fuck his brother's (laughs) ass, who clearly isn't into it, and he keeps trying to, like, force his way in there. And when finally she rejects him and he goes crying back to the prostitute, the prostitute's nice to him. And he's like, ah, well, I guess I'll settle for the prostitute.
1: Yeah, that was that was a weird story arc when that happened. I'm just like, I don't – again, I don't know if this movie can handle a, a plot line about a guy debating whether or not to turn his prostitute girlfriend into a serious girlfriend. Right. It feels like tonally that doesn't match with having wrestling matches in the background of it. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's just all sorts okay. of and, – and once again, there's that problem of Sylvester Stallone is not bringing a good performance and his character is unlikable and unrelatable. But the girl who plays the prostitute is really good and has some yeah. like emotional moments, but there, it doesn't – it falls so fucking flat because it's basically – her flinging her art against his brick wall of a fucking
1: face. (laughs)
2: Jesus.
1: (laughs) All right, I wasn't going to use that much uh, colorful language to describe it, but I actually agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's... The big problem with the movie is, like, I, I think it doesn't know what it wants to be. Much like it doesn't know whether wrestling is real or not, like, they do... They do the thing where it's like Literally the ring announcer Is dressed as a clown They put poor Joe Spinell in a clown costume And they got him up there And they got like I don't know what the politically correct term is To describe the towel boy That has to come in and dance in between scenes And you're like Okay so this is a giant circus act But then we're expected to take The fighting seriously And it's like well it, It can't be both Right He's got a
3: finishing move Called the Ice Clamp Yeah
1: Yeah. And it's like that That's not going to work In the real world So if this is a a Like if this is No holds barred And we're just going to go Yeah wrestling's real And all that stuff Really happens We're like okay That's the cartoon universe This movie's set in But if you're going to try To make it a more dramatic and serious film Then you've got to Handle it differently And you could still have that Be underground fighting Or whatever Just don't have it Be WWF style wrestling Yeah, and if you're
3: going to have Terry Funk in the last match, have Terry (laughs) Funk win. Because he's Terry Funk. (laughs) What?
2: That ends the movie on a downer note. (laughs)
3: I'm just saying. It's Terry Funk. He's clearly better than the salami dude. Like, I get it. Everyone wants to like him because he ain't got brains good. But Terry Funk's Terry Funk.
2: I read that uh, (laughs) Terry Funk was in charge of all the wrestling choreography in this.
3: I mean, it was cool. I think they they did capture that uh, that old school style of wrestling, like the old strongman style of, uh, you know, they just kind of like toss each other around the rings. And there's the big exaggerated loping moves rather than the way it was in the 80s or the, uh, you know, later wrestling, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it looked like old, like 40s and 50s wrestling, which is neat to see but well, once again they, that,
3: that type of wrestling is clearly fake like it's obviously fake
1: <laughs> yeah it, it it just seems like they didn't know what tone they wanted the
2: movie to be in probably the studio wanted more of like a Rocky movie that's not the type of movie they originally wrote but hmm. probably
3: I think we can all agree that this movie needed 1000% more Tom Waits right
2: oh, of course yeah. Uh, also, I think my biggest problem with the movie is it's it's almost an hour and fifty minutes,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it really does not need
1: it. No, again, like, like I was checking uh, the
2: time, and it's like forty minutes past. I'm like, there's not been one reference to wrestling so far yeah. in this movie.
1: Well, like, what's what's weird is like, Sloan wrote this because this was written before Rocky came out. So Sloan would have had this script and Rocky both written simultaneously. And Rocky handles that so well. Like you don't sit around watching Rocky and thinking, when when is there going to be more boxing? That never Mm -hmm. comes up, right? So I feel like that's where maybe uh, having a more experienced director, somebody who can edit that script into something more cohesive and more Mm -hmm. tonally consistent. It yeah. would, we wouldn't be bothered by it in this movie either. It's just, it, it, it feels like there's two movies going on here the whole time. Your your drama about guys in New York and your comedy about a guy getting into underground wrestling. Yeah, And for some reason in the middle of it, they tie up that poor little monkey. And I have felt Aww. bad for that poor little monkey.
2: Apparently in the uh, UK, they had to edit that section out to get a lower rating. Oh, really? Yeah. Just that section, just the part where the... Uh, oh. With the monkey tied up, and that's it. How the hell do you think they got that monkey
3: tied up? Because that monkey was clearly actually tied up.
1: Yeah, no, they were just being mean to that monkey. There's no way around it. Uh, true, so right? we did, you know,
3: earlier in this show, many, many moons ago, we reviewed Over the Top, the sweetest arm wrestling movie that was ever made. Yeah. Uh,
2: also terrifying. think it's...
3: It? Yeah, right. Does anybody think it's weird that the arm wrestling match in this movie was probably better than any of the arm wrestling movie <laughs> <laughs> moments in the in the arm wrestling movie?
2: Do you think someone's like yeah. do you think someone's like sly? We want some of that arm wrestling drama that you did in the movie. And he's like, "Oh, okay." And he went to like set it up and they're like, "No, no, no, no." Like the actual like wrestling part where it's kind of goofy and over the top. Pun intended. That's what we want. He's like, but no, there's this big dramatic scene. They're like, no, 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 no drama. Hulk Hogan arm wrestling. That's what we want. Yes.
3: <laughs> How will we know when the tension ratchets up? Put your head on backwards.
2: Oh, shit.
1: Well, because actually in in this movie, the, the tension, do, there is that moment where they're like wrestling and they close in on the brother's face that's doing the actual arm wrestling. And you do see he's like, oh. Like, you can see in his face the moment where he realizes he's going to win. Like, he knows he's kind of just toying with the guy at that point. And you're like, oh, that's actually really well done. And it's neat. And it kind of shows a bit of character in the middle of this arm wrestling match. And yeah, that they don't capture that at all in the other movie, which is where it should be cut. Yeah, I don't
2: know. I wasn't a huge fan of this one either.
1: You had a rough week.
2: All right. And I was excited to see it because I didn't even know anything about this movie until I watched, uh, there's a show on El Rey, the channel run by Robert Rodriguez called the director's chair where he interviews other directors so that it's like, you know, from one director to another, them just talking about movies and stuff. And he does one with Sylvester Stallone. He talked about this movie. and I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. And then, you know, watch them talk about it. And I'm like, that sounds fantastic, which I think is how I ended up on this list. That it's just like, oh shit, that's that's a movie I definitely want to see at some point. But then I was kinda of disappointed by it when I actually watched it.
1: Yeah, it's basically it. the same experience I had is I've been wanting to see it for a while mm-hmm. because I I was anticipating, you know, Rocky but with wrestling. And I was excited for that. And then even the trailer starts to hint at some comedic elements and I'm like, Well that's not good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Like, yeah. I I just think I feel like the opening of the movie where you're you kind of get that first shotgun blast of Sylvester Stallone's character right off the back, and you're like, "Oh no,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I don't like this. Not good." Yeah. yeah, this one was a bit of a. Uh, I, I think I just, we just, we all seem to agree it's a miss, and it's just like there's something there, but it's they don't quite capture it. Yeah. And maybe it's just too complex of a story to be told by a first-time director, even if the first-time director is Sylvester Stallone. Right.
3: And it would even be—I mean, it's a hard—it's a hard recommend in so many ways because I would say something like, you know, if it's hey, if it's on TV, it's worth a watch. But, but the truth is, this movie's almost an hour and fifty fucking minutes long. If it's on TV, I don't know if it is worth a watch. That's – it's a lot of time. Oh, There's a lot it, of
1: things you could do in that time. The the TV version has edited back in some of the scenes that the studio made Stallone take out. Right, right. To make yeah, it so, longer.
3: So. So, maybe, so maybe not do that.
1: So maybe if it's watch. on TV, set aside your day because it's going to be three hours with commercials.
2: <laughs>
3: <sighs> maybe maybe just watch the, the David Arquette wrestling movie that ruined wrestling for a little
2: while. <laughs> Ready to Rumble is fantastic, you need to shut your mouth
3: Yeah I'm not saying it's a bad movie I'm saying that it It destroyed an entire wrestling company
2: Well, I wouldn't blame the movie For that For that that problem They did that on their own
3: They did a whole They they set themselves up for failure But that movie really drove that nail home
2: (laughs) It's not so much the movie Maybe it's the decision to give David Arquette the world championship. Yeah. Which he told them not to do multiple times, but they did it anyway.
3: All right, Decisions were made.
2: So you can blame Vince Russo for that one. Yeah.
1: giving David <laughs> Like just the way they would let random celebrities come into matches and stand a chance. Like Jay Leno wrestled for WCW mm-hmm. and not like stood on the outside of the ring. Like got in the ring and wrestled with Hulk Hogan.
2: Gave uh, Hulk Hogan a diamond cutter from what I remember.
1: Like you, you can't have them doing that the crowd, does, the crowd doesn't want to feel like Any one of us could step in and stand a chance That's not what you're looking for In your wrestlers To, to save this episode
3: Did you guys watch the super secret third
2: movie? <laughs> I did not
3: the, the one that actually matches Supposedly our theme Yeah the one that matches the theme That I got confused between the titles of two movies No
1: <laughs> uh, I, I punched it into just and it didn't uh it, it
3: didn't is show not, up straight it straight is deep, so. it is not not easy to to find that movie it's it's rough i have a bootleg copy oh okay wasn't uh, good that no one body slam i actually really like body slam a lot so body slam is about a down on his luck uh manager right so he manages musical acts and all sorts of stuff and through a series of kawinky dinks, he ends up being the manager of Ro- uh, Roddy Roddy Piper's character. and That's what both former... of these
2: movies needed more Roddy
1: Piper. Oh, yeah. And Luke Cabano. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're not wrong. I don't know how you make Luke Cabano look uh, appropriate for a 40s <laughs> Shoot, but well, I'm just I'm just saying so
3: so this one the manager basically uh forms this thing called rock and wrestling in which he's blending together his music acts with wrestling and doing basically a road show to to hype up uh uh Roddy Roddy, Roddy Piper's career. And it's just I don't know. It's I think it's it's very eighties. It stinks it stinks of eighties all over it, <laughs> but it's tolerable and the the bad guy is basically uh uh Luke Cabano and oh uh, my brain's breaking god damn it the twins the two gigantic samoan twins from the 80s that were part of the fucking uh, yeah, family it. that all of all of the samoan wrestlers are you uh, know what i'm talking about the fatus.
2: Like, Yeah,
3: yeah the yeah is that the, their name
2: well the Jubic- i mean their real name is names are like the fatu's but um they were the wild Samoans. that's what I they think were that's, back in the day
3: yeah i think that's right and oh yeah
2: and the uh, i know a family which is the wild Samoans. yeah
3: right and then billy barty's character is on this show that's basically like a talk show where they talk about wrestling and uh it's uh, extremely homophobic and hilarious coming out of the mouth of Billy Barty. It's awful. The content is awful. Billy Barty doing it is hilarious.
2: Wait, 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 wait. You're talking about this movie. You're not even going to bring up the fact that John Aston and Charles Nelson Reilly's in this movie?
3: They don't matter.
2: Oh, but they do.
3: No. Captain Luke Cabano and goddamn Roddy Roddy Piper in this movie. <laughs>
2: And Roberts. Tanya okay, Roberts.
3: I don't and, care about anything. And
2: Face from Mr. T. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs>
3: don't, don't detract from Captain Lou Cabano and Ruby Rod Piper.
2: We keep calling him Cabano, and it's Captain Lou Albino, but yeah,
3: whatever. Nah, I can't pronounce Albano. it. <laughs> Albino. It's That's delightful. So, anyways, it's the movie you should watch over these two movies. Uh but good fucking luck finding it.
0: <laughs>
3: Get on the internets. Get on the internets and dig deep and if you find a good link, post it to the uh uh Midnight Drive In Facebook page so people can find it.
2: It's not on uh it's not on YouTube anywhere.
3: It is it is not. Like I said, I have a I have a really, really bad like VHS rip bootleg
2: of it. Yeah, I've never seen it before, so
1: no, me neither. It's I did, yeah, I tried vaguely to watch it this week, but not that hard, so... I'm <laughs> just <laughs> I can saying,
2: find it on like,
3: like, like every movie that has <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper in it, it's it's very, very entertaining. But if you really stop and think about it, it's probably a bad movie.
2: Uh, by with the way. With
3: the, with the exception of They Live, which is clearly an amazing movie, which if you think about it is amazing. And if you don't think about it, it's a bad movie. (laughs) Uh,
2: uh, Anything else, Noah, before we move on?
3: No, that's it. Body Slam. Check it out.
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For info, check out the Midnight Drive In on Twitter at MN Drive In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
2: Has yeah, anybody watching oh. things since last week? Now what? Do
1: we have feedback this week?
2: Oh, we do have feedback this week, that's right
1: uh, You tried to not let the feedback be in the show
2: tried, it didn't work Can um, you read the
1: feedback to us now?
2: Do you, uh, does somebody want to read the one that's in the chat That I posted the other day?
1: Yeah, Noah can read that one
2: Yeah, no, I read that one
1: Sounds like a lot of work
2: It is a pretty long one
1: Alright,
2: let to get this pulled up here
3: uh, Robert Curry. Okay. Uh, hey, guys, glad you liked your turn to Oz. The books are not as dark, but are a lot weirder than any of the films, like the Tin Woodsman, who loses his limbs to a cursed axe and then has them replaced. When he tracks down his lost love, he meets another Tin Man who had the same thing happen. <laughs> so there's just... There's just tin woodmen all over the place with cursed axe chopped off their legs. Oh, That's fucking like awesome.
2: cursed bird. axes.
3: <laughs> There's a plague of cursed axes in Oz. Uh, and then meets his creator, uh, who has the tin man's head. The oh, fuck. Who doesn't... Good, there is no punctuation in this. Who doesn't want to go back when they... Both find their old love. She has made a new man from the human parts of both of them. Oh, God. Some (laughs) kind of horrible Frankenstein monster. Uh, And she and Tim ask the two tin men to leave them in peace. Uh, Also, tip that most of Return to Oz is from it turns out at the end of the book is princess ozma kidnapped by the wizard of oz on the day she was born and turned into a boy by the witch mambi and at the end of the story she is turned back and it is never mentioned in any of the other books and she's in most of them all of the books have the female character save the day, which is awesome for a book series <laughs> starting in 1900. Sorry for the long letter, but I was a big fan of the books and films and wanted to recommend you checking out the other books for all the crazy stuff that's in them. Thanks for all the great episodes. Is this from Daniel?
2: Yeah. 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 Hey, Staniel. He obviously knows a lot about Wizard of Oz.
3: <laughs> yeah, that whole well, t- Ted Woodsman thing's fucked. That, right? You could make some fucking <laughs> horror movie about that. I believe they should.
2: Tin Woodsman, coming soon to a theater near you.
3: I'm a Tin Woodsman. I had a cursed axe and it cut off all my limbs and they got replaced <laughs> with metal.
2: Then my next girlfriend Frankenstein <laughs> g- together an actual boyfriend.
3: Wait a minute, those aren't my legs. Those are my legs. Holy shit, another 10 woodsman.
0: I also have cursed
2: eggs. Well, shit. <laughs> I'm just happy that Don Knotts finally got a starring role in
1: something.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, we got an email from uh, good buddy Tarahoe Kent. Uh, he says, do you like Willow? Do you like rift tracks? I mean, those are two questions that I think would be answered with a yes. Uh, I encourage you to check out the podcast 372 pages will never get back The podcast features MST3K alum And current Rift Tracks host Mike Nelson Rift Tracks writer Connor Lastawka. Lastaoka? I don't know uh, Reading through books That they probably won't like <laughs> That seems like a lot of work to do something You know you're not going to like them
1: Well, other people make money off their podcasts. I'd read a book I don't like if it was my job.
2: I guess that's true. They recently finished the follow-up novel to Willow, and wow, does it go places. Willow changes his name for possibly legal reasons and insults the baby from the movie as a teenager throughout the book. Also, he turns into the floor on multiple occasions. Uh, It's a fun podcast and should be encouraging to writers to know that someone much less talented, went for it, and got published. Keep doing what you do, Kent. not hmm.
1: I can see myself listening to that.
2: So Noah, you read the Willow books?
3: Uh, I read one of the Willow books a long, long time ago. And he turns himself into a floor, does he?
2: Change his name? I don't,
3: see, I don't recall that, but like I said, I, I literally read it whenever I was, like, seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was a long time wow. ago.
2: Weird. Mm-hmm, um, Alright, well, what did everybody else watch?
3: Since last I watched Jack Shit. Oh, good. Uh, other than Body Slam. But we already talked about Body Slam. So you didn't watch anything else? No. Jesus. Uh, I ha- I've been listening to uh, an audiobook of... <laughs> Uh, the complete fiction of H.P. Lovecraft, so that's going to take me a little <laughs> It's it's taken up a little Chunk of time to get through yeah, that'll, that'll be a while Do you have any mm-hmm. comments on that? Uh, sure I mean, I've been posting stuff on the Facebook group, but uh, yeah. I th- The biggest complaint I have So it's on Audible, and uh, It's 50-something hours So it's totally worth your Audible credit If you like horror stories Because Lovecraft is
2: yeah
3: one of of the better ones the 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 biggest thing i have to say about it so far is the group that curated it who fucking decided on the order of these stories (laughs) because they're in no logical order that i can think of they're not so they're not in alphabetical order they're not in order by publishing date i just i just don't fucking get it and because of the way uh Lovecraft kind of built on ideas as his writing went along. If you're jumping around, the stories make less sense. Mm. So it starts. It starts with the Alchemist, which that's fine because the Alchemist is a pretty good standalone story, and and it's it's its own thing. It's kind of like uh, I don't know. The best thing I can always compare it to is it's almost like a vampire story, even though it, there are no vampires in it. If that makes sense. Where it's it's a guy and there's something creepy going on and oh it turns out there's this quasi undead dude harassing him and
2: his family. I uh, what happens,
3: right? And and then the second story is uh, in the Mountains of Madness, which is like one of the best fucking Lovecraft stories. Mm-hmm. But it's it's super duper long compared to mo- you know most of his stuff is real quick page and a half read or whatever and in this is a huge like 10 chapter epic story that brings up a thousand things from other stories but it's the second story
2: <laughs> what in the
3: fuck is happening right now
2: <laughs> doug's gotta go check on his kid but, but he apparently decided to throw his microphone into a shredder before he did
3: but yeah it like uh that you know, it brings up like the city of Ling and it references the cult of Cthulhu and it references the uh the like deep ones and all all that kinda of, the Necronomicon, all all that stuff that was introduced in earlier stories. And if you haven't read any of those stories, you're like, What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, the, the mountain in the mountain, the madness is one of the stories that I would always recommend people to read, but I would always tell them don't read it first. <laughs>
0: like
3: <laughs> read read a couple of the other stories to get going. Yeah, so yeah. So I read that. I just finished uh, the book, which is kind of the story about the dude reading the random necronomicon-esque book up in the attic in which it's okay that story doesn't have my biggest complaint about lovecraft sometimes is a lot of his stories do not have a uh a traditional plot structure Mm -hmm. so there's like no like that story there's no nothing happens (laughs) does that make sense (laughs) like it's a Nothing nothing happens in that story. He describes a few things that he experiences while fucking with the book in the attic, and then the story ends. Like, nothing happens. He doesn't, like, actually do anything. He doesn't go crazy. He doesn't, like, he just basically, it's like, I read a book, end of story. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like I said, he can be, Lovecraft can be hit or miss
2: sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, either that or you get horrible xenophobia
3: as well. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I was putting that on one of them. Uh, uh, beyond the wall of sleep, his his description. So you know, most of you know this. Most of his stories are written uh, first person. Yeah. So his character's description of this. Mm, <laughs> A uh, White trash, inbred mountain man, <laughs> to put it lightly, is as he describes it. You know what I mean? He just, he tears into this character. And the whole story's basically about that. He's like, you know, inside of him is this glorious, radiant soul that can experience the world of dreams. But his body is filthy, inbred, white trash, garbage, and he should die. Like, it's, it's just. A, good old lovecraft he uh he didn't just he like he wasn't just racist he was biased in every way a person could be biased against other people
2: yeah fucking lovecraft
3: yeah and normally it comes out good because normally it's just slightly racist named uh cool aliens from another dimension that are fucking with you and which I can live with that. I can live with (laughs) slightly racistly named things, you know what I mean? But every once in a while, he gets overt with it, and that's when it gets weird. (laughs) You can't. You're like, oh, no, please stop it. I have to read all these words. You're forcing me. You're forcing me to have your horrible words in my head.
2: (laughs) Is it better listening to the audiobooks, though?
3: I so think someone listen,
2: else is saying horrible things, and you can just shake your head and be like, "That's not right."
3: A little bit. I'll tell you what. I so uh, obviously I haven't. I I haven't sat down and read every one of these stories. So far, every one of them that I've listened to are ones that I've read, but not not through the whole thing. And I think the audio is kind of cool because it adds a I don't know like another dimension to it in a in a weird way. Like, especially in the, in the Mountains of Madness, listening to someone else read it to you has a different impact than, than you just reading it. Because, once yeah. again, it's told from first-person perspective, and if you're listening to somebody else read first-person perspective, it almost forces it into third-person perspective, no. <laughs> which is cool. Because I, I feel like that, that cool the, – uh, the Lovecraftian thing of forcing you – to have distance from the the things lurking, you know what i mean, you don't get to you don't get to interact with them. He almost like snatches them away from you and i it, it almost has more impact having someone else reading it to you. I agree
2: with that. Uh, way back in the day, uh, when Drunken Zombie was going, we actually put out a audio version of the story Dagon yeah west read it with west reading it yeah and uh people seemed to enjoy it and we were going to do some more and then west never picked out another story so it ended at that one and through uh website movings and random hard drive crashes that story has been lost to the internet oh no so if anybody out there ever downloaded it and for some reason still has it let us know, because I would like a copy of it since it's gone forever.
3: I'm glad I listened to it before it vanished.
2: Uh, are you back, Doug? Doug? I, don't th-
3: I don't think so. I haven't heard wrestling. Oh. <laughs> uh, all
2: right. Anything else? Is that it?
3: Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it.
2: Uh, well, I have a Lovecraft-inspired. Thing to talk about that I watched, nice. Um, but I'm going to talk about Vendetta first, just in case Doug comes back, because I think the more interesting conversation is the other one. Um, but I watched a movie called Vendetta. I was in the mood for something super cheesy and not good and very 80s, and I found a movie on Amazon Prime called Vendetta that is about a stunt woman whose sister ends up going to prison and gets killed by multiple uh, inmates. And so the stunt lady gets herself arrested so she can go into prison and kill the people who killed her sister. And I was like, this okay. has the makings for exactly what I'm looking for.
3: I was going to say, sounds dope.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's not super great. Oh, man. Like, Caged Heat's better. Um... Uh, whatever what was the other one we watched was it red heat yeah that one i think was better but this isn't this isn't far from it
3: so is it is it a women in prison film or does it just happen to be a female character in a prison
2: uh it's a women in prison film but okay. then it's also a revenge film so you would think like oh man this is going to be great cuz she specifically is right. going after the women who killed her sister when she was in jail. Uh, the, the most, the weirdest thing that it took me a second to get used to is sort of the the woman who's like in charge. Um, she's like the pod boss, essentially, is okay. Napoleon Dynamite's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and that weirded me out for a second. Luckily, she played the racist mom in uh, three billboards outside of blah, 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 Missouri. So I was used to seeing her a little dark, <laughs> so it didn't make me completely laugh her off. But, yeah, it was strange for a second. I was just like, what in the world is Napoleon Dynamite's grandma doing in prison?
3: Saying, that, would fuck, that would fuck me up so bad the entire time while i just imagining... Napoleon or Kip walking in and saying something dumb. (laughs) Hey, Grandma! (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, so it was a little strange, but I got with it, and luckily she's been on Ray Donovan the past couple seasons, and she's a horrible person. (laughs) She's a little bit more comedic, but she's still like a horrible person on Ray Donovan. But yeah, so this, she was supposed to be just complete badass in the jail. So sometimes it was like, "Come on, only Donovan's grandma. I'll just punch her and get it over with." So, Ray, is Ray Donovan still going? Uh, it just got canceled this season, which sucks because the way it ended was not a real ending. So now there's a bunch of shit like left left open.
3: I watched I watched the first season and then I switched providers and we stopped having uh, yeah. Showtime and I've never watched any more of it.
2: Yeah. It was still going good. I mean, there's some seasons that were better than others, but for the most part, we were still really enjoying it, but yeah, she played, uh, she played Ray's aunt. She Mm -hmm. was, she was Mickey's sister.
3: I was going to say, she's a member of that family. You know, she's bad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, so I don't know. I figured the stunt woman stuff would play a little bit more of a, of a role in it. I mean, there's some, she can obviously take care of herself. She's, she does like fighting scenes in movies and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, it just, it could have been better, but you know, plenty of nudity, people getting shivved, thrown off of balconies. So the weird thing is So I don't, there's not like a character arc for the main character really. So I don't know. I'm going to spoil this movie, but I mean, it's, if you watch the movie, you're like, Oh, I know exactly how this is going to end. So don't worry about it. But so she goes to prison, uh, which she tries to get herself arrested and it doesn't really work. So she literally has to steal a judge's car Uh, drink a lot and run the car all over the road and then flip it since she's a stunt woman she could do that without getting hurt and then she crashes it into a store and it's a jewelry store so she crashes in the front window and then just starts running off with jewels because she thinks oh this will definitely get me arrested to the point that uh, I'll end up in prison so I can go track these people down and the judge tries to give her like an eight thousand dollar fine, and that's it. And she gets so pissed, she throws a big, big thing in the courtroom and tries to attack the judge, which then gets her thrown into prison. But yeah, um, but so she, uh, so she gets into this prison and then narrows it down like this gang of girls that killed her sister. And then starts murdering each one and gets away with it. Like nobody else in the prison knows who it is. It's killing all these people. And then right before she has a big showdown with Napoleon Dynamite's grandma, she has a change of heart. Like, oh, murdering people's not not right. I shouldn't be doing that. And then has to have a showdown with Napoleon Dynamite's grandma, who then gets shot by a prison guard. And then um, apparently after that's all over... It just shows her getting released from jail and the uh, the boyfriend of hers that she was kind of a bitch to for a long time in this movie while she was in prison shows up to pick her up and they don't say anything. And she just gets in the car and leaves so I'm like, So she didn't get caught for killing like seven other people in jail. And even if they did, they just kind of shrug their shoulders and just let her go. (laughs) yeah it it was because i mean the jail's not that big and it's just like well somebody's murdering somebody maybe we shouldn't let people out until we figured out who it is that's murdering other people inside the jail but nah
3: that's awesome
2: yeah so it's on amazon prime vendetta
3: well she is a stunt driver so maybe she just ramped right over them murder charges
2: (laughs) maybe (laughs) It's totally ridiculous. And this jail is, like, the craziest jail I've ever seen. So apparently they have, like, a giant, like, Olympic-sized swimming pool that that uh, fucking prisoners can go use whenever. Uh, it's one of the nicest, like, uh, gyms I've ever seen. Like, people are lifting weights and stuff. And apparently when you're going to lift weights, you can just put on your, your uh, like, aerobics gear Cause you're a prisoner and have stuff like that, <laughs> and then go work out. And I'm just like, what the fuck kind of jail is this? <laughs> so, super jail. I think I heard Doug come back.
1: I am in fact back.
2: Did you did you punch Lando in the face? Tell him to go to bed.
1: That's what I did. Yeah, I ran right up there. Just it took three punches to get him to
2: pop pop pop
1: so. uh <laughs> You really got to really got to work on
3: that. You'll really damage that child if you don't knock him out with that first smooth punch. <laughs> well, if
1: I learned anything from '80s movies, it's just that one quick punch to knock him out. I must be doing it wrong.
2: You have to rewatch. Uh, no holds barred. Take some advice from from Ripper.
1: I'm just going to do that running like double axe handle. But what if it's just a, a hologram of my kid put there to confuse me, and I go uh, right through uh, here.
2: Son of a bitch um, And then the only other thing I watched was I've watched uh, Color Out of Space The Richard Stanley Nicolas Cage movie
1: If that's wow. not crazy I'm going to be openly upset no.
2: <laughs> It is pretty crazy but I think in a good way um,
3: oh, all right. that's, That is one of the Lovecraft stories I have not read
2: uh, well, it's really good, and I feel like... I mean, the story's not exactly like Color Out of Space. It's pretty close. They actually adapted... Used this story as an adaptation of a movie in the 80s starring Will Wheaton called The Curse. It's basically the same thing. Meteorite falls. Weird shit gets into the drinking water, and everybody goes crazy. Um, yeah, so that's basically what happens. Meteorite falls. It releases a... uh um Um, A weird glow to everything and then everything kind of becomes infected and people eventually go crazy and livestock start mutating and weird flowers start growing out of the ground. Um, I feel like this is a great modern representation of a Lovecraft story where you can't really explain like how everything eventually plays out. It's sort of like, well, this sort of happens and then like two people like melt together and people are like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, but uh, I don't know. You just got to watch it. Like it's hard hard to just explain like what the fuck you're even talking about. Oh, Doug throwing his headphones again. He's out. He's going to try that swift uppercut. Pow. Um, <laughs> one of the things I texted you guys. Was the, I read that Richard Stanley was a big fan of um, Nicholas Cage's performance in Vampire's Kiss.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: And for the most part, Nicholas Cage is normal. And then, yeah, about 45 minutes in, when he's going crazy because of the weird magenta color glowing shit getting into the water and him being infected with it. All of a sudden the voice from Vampire's Kiss just comes out. And I'm just like, What is going on? And he just starts going off in this giant rant in the voice from Vampire's Kiss. And it's just like the weirdest thing in the world.
3: Just the weird the weird accent. Oh yeah. Does it end with him going?
2: <laughs> no, but he might as well have. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's, uh, uh, Doug says, sorry. We don't care, Doug. Go deal with your kid. Uppercut him.
3: Is it, uh, so is it pretty violent?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say it's violent, but there is a lot of weird special effects. It's very gory and gross. Um, All right. I get down with that. They, they started, they started raising llamas. And something weird happens to the llamas That makes you go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: They're just I love I love sometimes when we have to describe something like that And it comes off like In in such a weird way That it's, it's weirdly hilarious and ominous At the same time You're <laughs> like, a thing happens with a llama It's pretty fucked up And you're like what the See, fuck could happen with a llama that that pulls that reaction?
2: You're saying llama. I'm saying llamas. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the closest thing I could describe it to is the dog kennel scene from the thing. Okay. Yeah it it gets weird.
3: I was I was getting ready to say do all the llamas smash together and form mm. a giant. Llama ball from from critters 2 and roll over somebody and eat their flesh.
2: <laughs> not quite, but you're not far off. Uh, yeah. So, but this is definitely a movie. As much as I sort of didn't like uh, Paradise Alley because nothing really happened, this is definitely a slow burn that really like goes and goes and then all of a sudden, like I said about halfway through all of a sudden somebody throws it into overdrive and the fucking vampires kiss voice comes out and she starts going crazy. And yeah. Um, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I rented it and I'm actually considering picking up a Blu-ray just to uh, check out the special features and stuff because it looks beautiful. Um, apparently Richard Stanley picked the color magenta to represent the color out of space because uh, something like with the human eye uh, usually when you see colors um, it'll either trigger like a red receptor or a blue receptor in your eye so like even if it's like purple you'll still like depending on what shade of purple it is you'll still either get a red or a blue and apparently magenta triggers both of those to make your eye be able to see it so he just yeah picked magenta to represent this strange color that kind of has an odd glow to it. And I don't know, scientifically maybe causes you to see it in a different way since, since, uh, your receptors light up differently, but you know, somebody's going to write in and be like, well, that's not exactly. I'm just like, that's just what I read. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. If you get a chance to see it, uh, I would highly recommend it. Tommy Chong plays an old hippie. I know that's shocking to everybody. Um, who lives in a guest house on their property? Uh,
3: so, what you're, what you're saying is something freaky happens with llamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Cage does the <laughs> does the, Kiss of the vampire voice, yep. and and Tommy Chong's in it. Yep, I'm gonna see that
2: <laughs>
3: probably yeah. on Sunday once I get back from the film festival. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's yeah. definitely worth worth a watch. Like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Tony, our friend Tony Wash, watched it. He said he wasn't overly impressed with it, but I'm like, yeah, but if you think about it, like I said, from a Lovecraft's point of view, where it's just kind of indescribable and you have to experience it, like I think this is a great sort of modern take on that kind of material. So. And word is Richard Stanley is planning a Lovecraft trilogy, this being the first one. Sweet. And I think he wants to do the Dunwich Horror next. So, okay, that's a good one. Yep, I don't know what the third one's supposed to be, but
3: I hope it's not Shadows Over Ismith. I think that one's been done to death.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you if you like Lovecraft, and you have not really enjoyed many adaptations. I think this is definitely worth checking out because I feel like the, okay, the Stuart Gordon cycle is great for being Stuart Gordon movies. But I feel like this is a great adaptation of Lovecraft, which is crazy to see it play out on film the way it does.
3: Lovecraft adaptations seem to be hard.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
3: Especially since, what was that? Like, like I was saying earlier, a lot of them, they just, there's no fucking... There isn't a real story to it. It's just a series of experiences. <laughs> and half those experiences are somebody telling you, I can't tell you what I experienced.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that in this movie, too. So, there's people losing time and bleeding weirdly and... Yeah. Do
3: they use, do they use, uh, unfortunately big words that nobody understands?
2: No. Well, there is a hydrologist, I guess. Who's there studying the water table. So maybe he says a couple of scientific words and you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? But I think what he does, they, everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about?
3: I was going to say normally I can in, in most Lovecraft stories I can uh, stand his his weird encyclopedic way of talking, B- but in the Mountains of Madness the one thing that drives me fucking insane by the end of that story every time I read it just the word cyclopean, <laughs>
2: yeah
3: and because normally he doesn't he like Lovecraft doesn't like to use the same words over and over again but for some reason in that specific story I think he uses the word Cyclopean 5,000 times <laughs> like like it, it's so often that it makes your head hurt and you're like stop fucking saying Cyclopean goddammit. it I, I get it they're big rocks like I get it
2: uh, you'll be interested to know the uh, um the hydrologist. His name is Ward Phillips. All right. If you can figure out what that means. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'd say it's worth a watch. Definitely worth a rental. Like I said, I, I need to pick it up on Blu-ray when it comes out. Bird.
3: Like I said, I'm gonna have to rent that. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah trust me. <laughs> like I said, it's kind of slow first, but then shit goes to overdrive, and you're like, okay. Well, they've showed the llama stuff. This is obviously the craziest it's going to get. And then later you're going to go, holy fuck, it got even crazier. So.
3: (laughs) I still haven't seen the last, uh, the last big cage movie that everybody was being all weird
2: about. Mandy?
3: Is that, yeah, I think that's it. The one with the cheddar goblin or whatever.
2: Yeah. I was not a fan of that movie.
3: I, there seems to be very mixed Opinions about it
2: mm-hmm, Yeah the f- whole first hour is just I don't know Just kind of plods along And then it seems like It wants to go crazy but it Just I'm like I don't know you haven't earned it yet So for me it just didn't work hmm. for Some people it's the, like their favorite movie now So I don't, I don't know
3: Like I said I haven't seen it Those pictures of the Cheddar Goblin are pretty cool though
2: the Cheddar Goblin's like nothing, depart. I mean, it's like it's basically like Boba Fett. It's such a throwaway thing that all of a sudden everybody's like glommed onto that. You're just like, oh fuck, that's right. the thing they got from this movie.
3: It's just a joke commercial, right? Isn't that yeah. the
2: whole thing? Yeah, it's just a commercial on TV. A goblin that pukes macaroni and cheese on people. Right.
1: Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
2: It doesn't sound like Doug's going to be coming back I think his kid Gave him an uppercut first So Doug is now Sleeping on his kid's floor
3: He's, he's, he's so far gone He won't even be here next week
2: No So Doug's going to have to go in the hospital To recover <laughs> from the severe beating That his child gave him uh, So And then I Am going to be running a film festival Over the weekend or by the time you listen to this, I did run a film festival over the weekend, uh, which is exhausting. And Noah is attending the film festival on Saturday. Yay. So we figured we're probably not going to have time to review much of anything, so we may take a week off. There's a slight chance we may do something, but we're not sure yet. It's all going to depend on schedules. Depends on how quickly uh, Doug gets out of the hospital. So. so we have no idea what we're doing next. I guess Do we uh,
3: want to... Do we want to schedule movies for two weeks, Ann?
2: Uh, sure. Isn't it Doug's pick, though? Just want to pick it is. It
3: but, but Doug ain't here. I ain't going to <laughs> nobody.
2: Alright, well, do you want to pick? Uh, no. Oh, I well, you th- set all this shit up. <laughs> You're going to make me pick, pick? You're going to make these. me I picked these movies. You're going to be, you're going to make me be the one to portray Doug and pick movies without him. Son of a bitch. I'm in. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What should we do? Um, hmm. Let's just, uh, let's go from cheesy wrestling to ungodly hell creatures and do a Clive Barker episode with nightbreed and Lord of illusions.
0: Oh,
3: it's like my birthday. Yeah. Oh, excited.
2: Go <laughs> the complete opposite of this week. Like, yeah, the dude's named Ripper, but for a completely different reason than old Cogan was last week.
3: That's what I was say. And since I've got two weeks to watch this, maybe I could watch, like, all the different cuts of Nightbreed.
2: Yeah, all five of them. And tell us Too what's many. different.
3: I know that th- for. For the fact that most alternate cuts of movies Don't make a huge difference uh, You know, there's a few exceptions to that Like that the one Blade Runner cut And stuff that changed things contextually Man, fucking About three of the five Of the Nightbreed cuts They really do make a difference They like change that movie quite a bit Yeah,
2: it's been Like forever since I've watched really any cut So... I don't remember like what the big difference is. I know there's, there's supposed to be a there's lot a... more to explain like why the police hate the monsters so much. Or
3: yeah, there's there's that stuff. One of them kind of completely changes the ending, um, especially when it comes to old button face.
2: Uh-huh. God damn you, Cronenberg.
3: Oh, it's the best. I just I, I get that, like the story is what the story is. You could make twenty five fucking movies with David Cronenberg as, but base <laughs> being the killer in all those movies, and it would be on on par with like Friday the Thirteenth. It'd be awesome.
2: <laughs> uh, over on Shockwaves, they keep talking about a movie that Cronenberg was in, like as an actor, recently. So apparently, he was in some. Low budget indie. That's Dis- random. Yeah, I think it's disappearance at Clifton Hill is what it's called. Um, and they said that it's so like full circle that there should be no more podcasts anymore because David Cronenberg plays a podcaster in it. And they Coming said mul- they said multiple times throughout the movie, he says, uh, "Don't forget to like and subscribe because you know that's how the kids find us." <laughs> <laughs>
3: God damn it, damn you, David Cronenberg! How dare you? How dare you peep into my life?
2: Yeah, so I need to watch that one. And yeah, it's kind of true. That's kind of like, like, well, we've gone full circle. David Cronenberg is is a podcaster and tells everybody to like and subscribe. It's never going to get any better than this. Right. So we're done.
3: Yeah, David. David Cronenberg has has made what we do just completely passe and
2: irrelevant, so. Uh, come on. I wish he would make one more horror movie. Just one more. I don't
3: know. Has he, has he ever said he just He just decided he's done?
2: Uh, he just says nothing really excites him about the horror genre at the moment. So he's just doing other stuff. It's kind of a bummer. But what are you going to do? Right. Well, damn. uh, I don't know. Do you have any other witty send off? Nope, <laughs> well, that's gotta be it, obviously.
3: <laughs> Just cutting off at nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, all right. So, when do you think you're coming up on Saturday?
3: Uh, I'll, I'm gonna get up and come in the morning and try to get there early before the first thing starts. So, <laughs> okay.
2: No big deal either way. Just, just
3: and then I scary. I don't know beyond that. I might uh surf on your couch if that's alright, since yeah. the last movie won't get over till real late.
2: Yeah, that's a weird one. Lots of nudity. But I don't oh, know yeah. should, lots of uh I don't know if this should be nudity, nudity. So
3: You know what? I'm I'm actually coming to appreciate <laughs> that more and more <laughs> <laughs> of Like, I like this, this trend of now they're doing nudity, but they're doing it instead of uh, it being like eroticism. It's more like, uh, I I, I don't know, abrasive, abrasive nudity. (laughs) Does that, does that make sense? Like where they're just like, here's a a fucking weird looking hairy lady naked. You're like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) not
0: prepared
3: (laughs) and then they're like yeah but that's just a normal person and you're like oh oh yeah that is just a normal person I'm a jaded fuck please remember to replace the speaker on the post
2: when you leave the theater
3: and now folks it's time to say goodnight